So did, so did Mama Vera, and uh, they go way back, 20 years back, uh, to the days when Mama Vera was teaching at Bible school with Shiloh, and uh, Wanda, uh, we had dinner together um, with Pastor Suki and a few of the Justice Prayer Group leaders here at the Ark, and just had a chance to hear um, some of her story and her beautiful heart, and um, also find out that Pastor Vera was the one who like prayed for um, your, your bap- experience of baptism in the Holy Spirit for the first time, um, and so... She's a dear sister. Um, I'm going to read a little bit of her professional bio. Wanda is a lover of God. She is a prayer warrior and established gospel minister at Landmark Restoration Christian Fellowship. Wanda Johnson is America's voice of compassion for individuals who have lost loved ones due to violence. Her heartbreaking story made worldwide news on January 1st, 2009, when her son, Oscar Grant III, was killed by a local transit police officer. Since then, she has worked tirelessly to address the stereotyping of racial minorities, to comfort grieving families, and to improve the criminal justice system. Some of us may recall the news, um, 2009, and all of the sort of advocacy that surrounded that situation. Um, some of us may have seen the film Fruitvale Station. It was a film actually created um, based on this true story. And so I know that many of us at the ARC have been wondering um, how do we as believers of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, engage, engage with these issues, um, social justice issues? And I can't think of many others who are um, just more fitting to come and share with us today. So uh, let's give Wanda Johnson another warm welcome. for from all the love that was just displayed truly we have a loving God truly I'm just so grateful for being here on today let us look to the Lord in prayer thank you Lord Lord God I thank you God I praise you God, I thank you that your love has filled this place, oh God. God, we thank you for your presence. God, even as the choir or the praise team sung, it's because of your blood. It's your blood that washes away our sins, God. It's your blood that makes us whole. God, it's your blood that causes us to be white as snow, purified, holy in your eyesight. God, we thank you today. God, if we had 10,000 tongues, we couldn't praise you enough. But God, we thank you today. We worship you today in the beauty of your holiness in this place. God, we magnify you. God, we thank you for your word, oh God. God, we thank you that your word will accomplish everything 
that it set out to do. God, that your word would heal the broken heart. God, that your word would set the captives free. God, that your word would cause men and women, boy and girl, to come running, saying, what must they do to be saved? God, that you, oh God, would speak to us in this place on today, oh God. God, that we would hear from you, oh God, and never be the same again. God, we bind the works of the enemy, oh God, that would try to cause and say to us to throw in the towel that it's not working. God, we bind the enemy that would tell us, oh God, to stop serving you. God, whatever the enemy would try to whisper into our ear, that's not of you. We bind the works of the devil in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus in this place right now. God, we thank you, oh God. We praise you, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen and thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. I thank God for being here on today. I thank you for the opportunity just to stand before you on today. Truly, God is good. And truly, the presence of the Lord is in this place. And I know that when the presence of the Lord is in a place, when he's here, that healing, deliverance, salvation it all takes place because he's here and so uh, I'm so grateful for what we read earlier today because it ties right in with the message that the Lord had given me to say unto you on today and that message comes from Zechariah the seventh chapter And in your leisure, I just encourage you to read the whole chapter 7 and also the book of Isaiah. I believe it's the 59th chapter or the 58th chapter. In the book of Zechariah, it says, starting at the 8th verse, and I'm reading through the contemporary English version, it says, "Once, so once again, I the Lord, all-powerful, tell you, see that justice is done, and be kind and merciful to one another. Don't mistreat widows or orphans or foreigners or anyone who is poor, and stop making plans to hurt each other. But everyone who heard those prophets stubbornly refused to obey. Instead, they turned their backs on everything my spirit had commanded the earlier prophets to preach. So I, the Lord, became angry and said, You people paid no attention when I called out to you. And now I pay no attention when you call out to me. That's why I came with the whirlwind and scattered them among foreign nations 
leaving their lovely country empty of people in ruins. And the Lord brought me to Zechariah and to Isaiah, which talks about a fast, and I believe chapter 58. And I, I was asking the Lord, why would I be speaking on this? And as I was asked to come here, I was given a few questions to maybe focus on. And so I wanted to start out just talking a little bit about my life story and then what the word instructs us as people to do. And so my life story begins in January 1st, where my life changed forever, 2009. And it was my son's birthday. Oscar, it was actually my birthday, but my son was coming over to bring some crabs so we could celebrate my birthday together. And later that evening, Oscar and his fiance and a few of his friends would be going to San Francisco to see the fireworks come in. And Oscar was saying that he was going to drive over to San Francisco, and I was saying to him, no, you're going to take BART, which I thought would be the safest thing for him to do. Um, I told him, I said, no, there's a lot of people out on the streets that's driving under the influence, and you don't need to be out there driving. If you take BART, you know, you will be able to come home safe. And so Oscar was like, no, I'm going to go ahead and drive. And I said, no, you're going to go ahead and take BART. So Oscar went ahead and took BART. And through him taking BART, there was some kind of scene, there was some kind of altercation that took place on the BART train. And the train agent said that she called the BART police and told them that it was nothing but just come anyway. So the BART police came. And when he came, he came maybe with a different frame of mindset. He came looking for a group of African-American young men. And he came in such a way that was not professional and was not part of his policy as a police officer. So I come today just to talk a little bit about social justice. I come to talk a little bit about restorative justice and biblical justice. And when we look at biblical justice, from Genesis to Revelations, we see God. We understand that God is a God of justice. We, we learn that one of his attributes is justice, he, that he's a just God, he's a righteous God, he's a holy God. We, we learn from biblical justice that God is sovereign, that he is a God of love. And, and when we look at, I believe it's 2 Corinthians, it talks about first natural, then spiritual. And when we look at our society, we look at how our world is in a turmoil of different kind of strifes going on. Order and equality, when we think about it, plays different connotations in American politics. Freedom 
and equality mean different things to different people at the same time. While order, on the other hand, maybe has a negative connotation for many, for it symbolizes government intrusion in private lives, except during social strife. Freedom can be used in two major senses, freedom to and freedom from. Franklin D. Roosevelt wrote, or he described four freedoms, freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of fear, and freedom of want. And so what is freedom? Freedom is the absence of constraints or behavior. Government, as we look at our government and we think about social justice, and we think about restorative justice, which is more newly restorative justice, but if we study the word of God, we will understand that restorative justice has been in place since the beginning of time. Restorative justice has been in place since Adam and Eve sinned on the cross. Well, when we look at restorative justice and we understand that restorative justice is saying that that person who maybe have committed that crime is going to meet with the person who they did the offense against and then them two will talk and that one who did the offense will apologize to the person and they will be restored together. And so I want to say that restorative justice has been since the beginning of time, since the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. God made a way for them to still end up with eternal life through the bringing of his son into the world, that his son died for our sins. And so God already knew what Adam and Eve was going to do. And so he already had knew that there was going to have to be a way for mankind to be able to come unto him. And so when we think about justice or we think about restorative justice, we think about how when we, our government has been set up, how government can be defined as the, the lit, legitimate use of force, including imprisonment and execution within territorial boundaries. So you might be asking, why am I kind of talking about the government? Because when we really look at the word of God and study it, those same principles are there. There, there have been judges set up from times past. In the Old Testament, we know that there were many judges. One judge would fall, another one would rise. We even probably remember the prophetess Deborah being a judge, how she handled different governmental affairs. Even if you go back even further than that and you look at Moses, how even Moses was called to govern the people. And because there was so many people, he had to get aid and help to come in and help them make the daily decisions. And so when we think about restorative justice and we think about justice, so what is our government here set to do? A government can protect the established order under its police power. So police have the duty to ensure order is maintained. Police authority include safeguarding citizens, safety, health, and welfare. It includes morals. When I mention the word order in this context, it, it includes preserving life, 
protecting property and maintaining traditional patterns of social relationships. And I just want to stay there for a minute. When we look at Zechariah, what I read, there's some very important instructions that we are to adhere by, that we are to follow. When we look at Zechariah and we look at how the people were behaving, God would instruct them one way, but yet they were a people that wanted to do their own thing. How many of you know people like that today that want to do their own things? Many, that person was me. I wanted to do my own thing at one time in my life. And there's many people today that want to do their own thing and they walk around doing their own things. And then sometimes there's, they don't feel like or we don't feel like there's no consequences for their behavior. But I'm reminded of what Psalms, I believe, 37 says, that it says, fret not thyself because of evildoers. Be not envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down. Uh, and I'm reminded of what the word of God says, that whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. And so it may seem at times like that people are behaving badly or out of control and there's no repercussion for their actions but we serve a God who is a God of justice the wicked will not always get away with wickedness God will come through and he will change the very course of their life and so we as believers we have a biblical charge and that charge is to show the love of God to spread that love so biblical justice when we study the word of God we understand that biblical justice is a way of life justice is one of the attributes of God and it flows of his holiness when we say God is just we are saying that he is perfect in every way the entire Bible, again, deals with social justice issues. It is said that justice may have also been an occupation, or it could have also been the name or origin of judge. We understand that we serve a judge, which is God, who will never lose or render a decision that is unjust. Every decision he renders, it is just. God is a just God, and we must understand that. If we sin, there is consequences for our behavior. Again, the origin of justice comes from the Latin word justus. And I want to provide meaning to justice because according to the Webster's, it means the quality of being just and righteous, equitableness, or moral righteousness, just behavior or treatment. And so Zechariah talks about how in the seventh chapter, how they were fasting, but really they were fasting for themselves. They weren't fasting because of someone hurting around the corner 
They weren't fasting because they wanted people to be saved, but they were just going, doing this routine that they had been taught. And God was trying to get the people to understand the correct way to fast. And when we fast, it's not about us, but it's about him. When we fast, it's not about, oh, God, do this for me, do that for me. But our fast should be pointed toward those who are in need. That's what our fast should be pointed to. And so you may be saying, well, what does this have to do with social justice? Because fasting is a part of social justice. It is a part because we are denying ourselves and allowing the love of God to manifest itself through us that somebody in the world might say, what must they do to be saved? Because as believers, our agenda should be to be able to witness, as you said earlier, to those who have a need. Our agenda should be to be able to share the gospel, to share the love of Christ with others so that they might come to know who Christ is, so that they may accept him as their personal savior. And as they accept him, that they may share what Christ did for them so that that person who they're sharing with with, would want to desire to know Christ for themselves as well. Justice and righteousness are words throughout, used throughout the Old Testament that occur within the same domain very often. It occurs, I believe, about 425 times in the Old Testament. So when we think about justice, and it's occurring that many times, the words are saying something to us. So, so when we look at social justice, so what is social justice? When we look around, as America is so diverse, and not everyone is the same nationality, not everyone is the same religion, not everyone is the same, uh, has the same education skills. And so because we are different, social justice is saying that even though people are different, for example, because my son was killed, and because his friends were arrested, if maybe he had been a different color, that may not have occurred. So social justice is saying to us that the result of a perceived racial injustice is what we should be praying against. We should be praying that all men come to the knowledge of who God is, and that all men will love no matter what color, no matter what nationality, no matter what education status, that all men will love one another just as Christ loved us. Social justice says that it shows that at times women are paid less than men. And our prayer should be that we all be treated equal. Because God said that he created male and female. And because he created male and female, he loved both male and female. He didn't say that he loved Adam more than Eve, nor did he say he loved Eve more than Adam. But God loved because he's a God of love and a God of justice. God is a loving God. And he requires that we as mankind do good. 
God requires that man have just behavior and just treatment. When we think about Jonah as an example, when Jonah was instructed to go to Nineveh, how Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, so he went the other direction to Taurus instead of him going to Nineveh. When he saw that Nineveh was in trouble because they had been getting warned and warned and warned to turn to God, but yet they continued to rebel and rebel and rebel. But Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. And there are times in our lives where God will send us places that we don't want to go, but God is telling us to go because there may be someone there that God is calling us to witness to. The Bible says that the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. So it's time for us to not worry about what the world says, but to worry about what the word says and to begin to share the goodness of God with others. God requires you and I to live a life that's different from the world, a life where others will see there's something different about Emily. There's something different. Emily don't act under pressure and cuss everybody out when she's faced with a hard difficult task but yet she 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 handles it with love and graciousness there's something different there's something different as the world looks at us and as you look in yourself in the mirror is there something different about you is the love of God spreading abroad in your heart Are you willing to share with others the goodness of the Lord? Are you willing to share how in turbulent times, how affliction may have come, but how God was able to get you out of that affliction? The Bible talks about affliction. And never in a million years did I think I would go through what I went through when I dealt with my, the loss of my son. There were days in my life that I didn't even want to talk to anyone. There was days in my life where the devil was trying to cause me to be depressed. Depression was trying to sneak in. But sisters and brothers, I tell you today, there was people out there praying for me. My sister Sandra, she prayed for me. She would encourage me when she talked to me. There was days when I didn't even want to come into the house of the Lord because I was felt with so much pain because the loss of my son Uh, the enemy tried to cause me to feel like it was my fault because I'm the one who told him to take Bart but but I've come to understand that there is a time and a season for everything the the Bible talks there's a time to be born and there's a time to die and, and so there's a time for everything And so I had to realize years later that even though the Lord, Oscar's not here, but I know that Oscar's with the Lord. I I had to realize that in the midst of Oscar not being here, he's still touching lives by what happened with him. Others are becoming aware of the very thing that has been going on in our society. And, And so when we think about social justice and we think about restorative justice, we must understand that and look at Jesus' life. 
how he was even hung on the cross yet he was taken from judgment hall to judgment hall and he did no wrong but yet he was still brought in front of judges he was still brought in front of different ones and he was still asked questions and so today I say to you even in the midst of that Jesus continued to show the love of God he continued to restore mankind unto him even when he was on the cross and the thief was next to him and the thief asked him Lord will thou remember me Jesus said this night thou shall be with me in paradise and so what is that saying to us my brothers and sisters it doesn't matter if somebody offends you seven times the bible says how often should you forgive them when peter asked seven times 70 that means that we continue to forgive and we allow god to fight our battles sometimes it ain't easy but if we allow god to fight our battles the bible says if god be for us that it doesn't matter who's against us we have to understand on today that in the midst of our society in the midst of all the chaos that's going on the only thing that's going to change our society is the love that we have one for another the only thing that's going to change that person from hating that person is the love of God and it's going to take us standing and being on the wall in prayer it's going to take us fasting it's going to take us going before God believing that he is God and that he is able to do above beyond that we could think say or can imagine according to the power that worketh within us we must believe even as Peter and Paul walked the streets and it said that as Paul walk if people would just walk into their shadow they would be healed as we continue to pray unto God and fast before God God will fill us with power that we can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover God that God will fill us with power that we can, can speak a word to the lost and they will surrender their life to Christ that God will give us power that we can say to that one that's hurting that your spirit may be heavy right now but for your spirit of heaviness God will give you a garment of praise hallelujah hallelujah God is calling us to be holy he's calling us to live right and to be just God is calling us just like he was calling Nineveh the people of Nineveh to turn unto him he's calling us he's calling America today but he wants to use each and every one of us in this place as his ambassadors to tell the world that God is God. That the only way to him is through his son, Jesus Christ. So Buddha's not going to get it. Confucius is not going to get it. Harry Christopher is not going to get it. But the only way to God is through Jesus Christ. So He's telling us to call on him and he will answer us and he will show us great and mighty things that we know not. And so in my personal testimony, as I lost my son and as I was going through, God began to remind me of the very promises that he had already told me. I, had remind, I was reminded how that my son and I would be in ministry together, but I was thinking that we would be in ministry together that he would be standing right next to me I, I was thinking that one day I would be sitting there listening to him preach to me and or preach to the ministry and 
vice versa. But God reminded me and showed me as I was praying and crying out because I said, God, you had promised me, you had shown me in your word, you had shown me in my dream, you had shown me, God, that we would be in ministry together. And the Lord spoke to me and said, look around. You're in ministry together. And I'm saying that to say to you, sometimes things may not happen the way we have planned them and envisioned them. But guess what? God knows best in our decision or in that situation. And so in that, I was thinking one way, but God showed me that it was happening a totally different way. But it was happening. And so eyes have not seen, nor is heard. Neither has it entered our hearts the things that God has prepared for them that love him. And so... When we look at restorative justice, my second point was God's definition and expression of justice. And it was to say again that God is a loving God. My third point is that we will look at the life of Jesus and see his definition and expression of justice. And and if you look at Matthew... In the scripture, it says, Matthew 25, 34, it says, Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. 35 says, For when I was hungry, and you gave me meat, I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. I was naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee, and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Then shall he say unto also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil." Our mission, our social justice is to go to those that are hungry and give them meat. Our social justice is to go to those that are thirsty and give them drink. Our social justice charge today is to go to those that are naked and clothe them. Our social justice charge today is to go visit those who are imprisoned and sick. Our social justice charge today is to forgive those who have hurt and done wrong to you. Our charge today is to be and to pray to be more like Jesus.
when others look at us they should be seeing Jesus and not us and how do we get there we get there by prayer and fasting we get there by letting go of our own desires and what we desire by allowing God to give us what he desires for us knowing that is not when we want it but his timing is always perfect his timing is always always right see we become a generation who wants things quick fast and in a hurry we don't want to wait we want to pop it in the microwave or we want to run by the fast food place and get it quick right but God is saying to wait on him that he will supply every single one of our needs and and so in the loss of my son I had to come to a place where the mirror that I was looking at myself I had to hear God say it's not about me but it's about others who've lost their loved ones because I've allowed you to go through this affliction because you went through this test because you went through this pain and hurt. Now you can carry that pain and hurt, all that you went through, and help someone else get through that very thing. Don't you know today, people, that the things that we go through in life is not just for us, but it's to help somebody else get through the very thing that we went through, the very hurt that we may have went through the very rejection that we may have faced, the very disappointment that we may have faced. That's social justice, seeing somebody hurt and being able to love on them, being able to hug them and say, it's going to be okay. God is going to meet you right where you're at, and he's going to strengthen you in your very hour of weakness. When we think about social justice we must understand that God is the God of justice and because he's the God of justice that there's no other way that we can live unless we live through the principles of God and I believe 1 John talks about beloved let us love one another for love is of God And everyone that loveth is born of God and know of God. And so because we walk in the very principles that God has called us to walk in, we walk in love to a world that may walk in hate. And love will cover a multitude of sin. So when our brother or sister offends us, We pray for them and love them through. When they're going through different trials, we pray for them and walk them through those trials. We pray for them. We don't talk about them, but we pray for them. We serve a God, a God of love. In the midst of hurt, in the midst of pain, God is right there with us to carry us through to get us past the hurt, past the pain, past the disappointment, 
past the shortcomings. God is right there. And he's ready and he's waiting to be able to fill us with his love and with his presence. As I close on today, generosity for the poor, generosity for the poor, helping those who are helpless. When we were destined and on our way to hell, but God, God loved us enough. He restored us back to himself and called us out of darkness, called us out of the pit of hell unto him. That's restorative justice, my brother. It's when you're able to look at someone and see they're falling in a pit, but you're able to pick them up and help them on along the way. You remember the story of the priest that walked by the man that was laying down and the rabbi that walked by. But the good Samaritan walked by. He helped him up. He helped us with his wounds. He tried to soothe them. Took him to an inn and paid for his stay. That's what restorative justice is, my sisters and brothers. Restorative justice is being able to deny yourself that you might push somebody else forward. Restorative justice is saying, I see you over there. You may be going through hurt and disappointment, but God is saying that he's right here for you. He's going to help you through it. That's what restorative justice is. I want to charge each and every one of you today not to leave this place the same, but that your heart may be filled with more love, that you would have the encounters as you even walk in a supermarket, that the spirit will quicken you, that that person needs you, that the spirit will quicken you as you're walking down the halls of school. That person may need you. That the spirit will quicken you just to say, bless you. God loves you today. How can I help you? I challenge you today. As you go out to your respective residence where you live in the, or the areas that you live. To look at the people differently. Look at the people like Christ looked at us. The Bible says that our righteousness is yet as filthy rags, but Christ's blood covered us. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, we'd be still lost in sin, destined and on our way to hell. But God, God is calling us today to restorative justice, that we look at the justice that Christ had and that we ask Christ to fill us up with the more love, the more peace, the more patience. Through that and through the loss of my son, in order for me to go on past and to go further 
where God wanted me to go. And even further, I had to have forgiveness in my heart. And it wasn't easy to forgive someone who had taken my child unjustly. It wasn't easy to be able to say, okay, God, I forgive him. Let it be more than the words coming out of my mouth, but let it be something in my heart. Because it's easy to talk about it. It's easy to talk about forgiving someone, but to really mean it and to really be able to love in spite of and to go forward is something totally different. And so God had to give me a peace and the strength to be able to forgive, to be able to go forward in what he had call, has called me to do. And that is to share with others, number one, that God is a God of love, that God is a forgiving God, that because of God, we can face whatever obstacle we face tomorrow and even today. And so I encourage you today to cry out to God, to look to him, and to know that he is a restorer and he will heal us everywhere that we hurt. Thank you so much. We've been um, kind of wrestling through, like, what does it look like and what does justice look like? And um, when we met um, Wanda, I just felt like there's a lot of, I think in the world out there,